0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Christopher Broyer is the South Australian State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby as we get an update on uh, the political agenda this week. Christopher Broyer, welcome along to 2020. Hi, uh, good Neil. How are you going? very well thanks Chris uh, great to talk to you and uh, lots of things to talk about I wonder though if you've got a little bit of reflection on some of the news today uh, some polls out today's Ipsos poll uh, putting you know labor in an uh, election uh commanding lead 55 percent to the coalition's 45 I think the news poll is a little closer 47 to 53 still has the federal opposition in a fairly clear lead if there was to be an election held tomorrow uh, your thoughts generally on uh, on the way the polls are going for the federal government
1: um, i think it shows a trend that the government is getting back in the game uh, even though they're still behind it seems that they're picking up and i think the most important thing to watch is the primary vote which, uh, as I read the um, the latest news poll, they're up to about 38% now. They've, for the coalition to have a chance of winning, <clears throat> it's got to be about 40%, I think. But I think the government is backing the game because I think the prime minister is a very clever and able politician and he's is, is moving quickly and so... I would reckon by the time election comes next year, it's going to be game on.
0: Very significant. And let's not spend too much time talking about those polls today because there's so much on the agenda. Let's move on to uh, another issue where there's two Christians who have been the focus in the High Court over this past week. Uh, Graham Preston from Queensland, Kathy Club from Victoria. Uh, that hearing is continuing. It's uh, it's not all wrapped up yet, is it, uh, Christopher?
1: Uh It's finished. The matter was heard Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of last week and the court has reserved its decision. So now we await the decision of the court.
0: Okay, what are your thoughts um, on what uh, what sort of arguments were presented in the High Court? Uh, I did hear of one argument, the same laws apply equally in a bubble zone, which is what we're talking about, that 150-metre zone around abortion uh, clinics. Uh, same laws would apply uh, to uh, pro-choice as much as pro-life protests. Uh, what sort of arguments stood out for you?
1: Well... Perhaps I'll just give a bit of a foundation, Neil. Um, The two acts in Tasmania and Victoria, which were the subject of challenge, uh, in Tasmania prohibit protests in relation to abortions uh, within 150 metres of an abortion clinic, and that means any clinic, uh, whether offering surgical or medical abortions or even unlawful abortions, uh, that people who aren't properly licensed. Um, In Victoria, uh, any communication in relation to abortion that is reasonably likely to cause distress or anxiety uh, within the 150-metre zone is prohibited. So, and again, that applies to medical, surgical, or even unlawful abortion providers. These laws apply uh, to all speech in relation to abortion, we said, we told the High Court that the practical effect of those laws is to burden the pro-life community, the pro-life people who would wish to speak in the zones, because there's a importance we allege uh, of site-specific protests or communications. Um, we is there, Neil?
0: Yes, I'm here. Yep.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Um, So that was the first thing. The laws apply also at all times, whether it's in the middle of the night or uh, at six o'clock in the morning. And they apply to, certainly in Tasmania, to all manner of protests. Um, So we said that the burden imposed by these laws was intense. The argument is that under our constitution, The Constitution mandates both representative and responsible democracy. Representative democracy means we choose our parliamentarians. Responsible democracy means that they are responsible to parliament and hence to us. Therefore, the High Court said that built into that constitutional mandate is an implication that we have to be free to talk to our politicians and to ourselves about political matters. And we argued that the law... that and any law that infringes that freedom uh too much it overly burdens the freedom and it's not a uh, it's an improper burden is invalid so the most recent example of that uh implied freedom being used to strike down a law is last year in December um the high court struck down the Tasmanian anti-logging protest laws uh Dr Bob Brown brought a case there was laws prohibiting protests in, in, in forestry areas, and the High Court said that those laws improperly burdened the freedom and struck them down. We argued similarly that these laws offend the freedom and struck them down.
0: Okay, and, and, should be struck down. and is it likely that the precedent set in Tasmania around Bob Brown is likely to hold real water when it comes to the High Court's decision here? Chris, any, you know, just your personal insight?
1: We argued that the High Court, that that case uh, supported us. Uh, The Attorneys General for the Commonwealth, Victoria, Tasmania, New South Wales, Western Australia, Queensland, South Australia, and the Northern Territory, the whole country was opposed to us, and they argued to the contrary, Um, and now it's up to the High Court to make the decision. But um, it was a very important case. Um, The first time case of this sort from the pro-life side has got to the High Court and we were opposed by the whole country basically
0: uh, so, one, uh, one of the defence arguments uh, had been about this issue of the freedom of political communication and uh, you referred to that when talking about uh, Cathy Club uh, what is what is so significant about this idea of political communication and uh, any reflection on, on uh, how the High Court might have uh, Heard uh, that defence argument uh, and uh, what that might, what sort of water that might hold uh, in the outcome.
1: Um, on the latter, I can't speculate what the High Court will do. That's, that's up to the, the, the judges. Yep. They've heard all the arguments now. They have heard them over three days. Uh, that was uh, written. There were written submissions and oral submissions. So now it's up to them. Um, the importance of the freedom is that. We need as Australians to be able to communicate with each other freely and vigorously on matters of political importance and controversial matters of political importance. We mustn't be fettered, in my view, by questions of whether will this offend someone or etc. because the very nature of political speech is that it's a contrary view to somebody else's speech and expressing a contrary view uh, in terms of controversial issues can cause discomfort in, on some occasions. If your views are challenged, you might have a negative reaction. But that is part of living in a democracy, and that is the importance of this argument.
0: Uh, Christopher, significant things happening in the High Court and as you say they haven't handed down their decision yet and we'll wait for that decision. Uh, They'll be deliberating about that, High Court judges. Uh, uh, There's also another issue connected with abortion of course this week, the Queensland Government is debating a proposed bill to decriminalise abortion in the state. You've been following along things, there were protests march, all sorts of things happening on the weekend. Uh, What are your thoughts as to, uh, to what's happening in Queensland?
1: Well, uh, I think it's very important for us to understand um, firstly what abortion is, and secondly, what is the philosophy behind this move to completely legalize abortion up to birth uh, we, we, we have to, to be birth. very clear about that it's the legislation allows abortion up to birth it allows legislation uh, abortion on the basis of gender selection that's all part not expressed but that is the effect of this legislation mm-hmm. so what is abortion up to nine weeks when it's medical what well, generally you have medical abortion uh, a woman is given a, an abortifacient drug which in effect poisons the fetus that's what it's mm-hmm. nine weeks up to twenty-something weeks The procedure is that the baby in the womb is suctioned out piece by piece, or its forceps are used and the limbs are crushed or the skull is crushed and pulled out. That is what it is. Mm.
0: It's, it's yeah. horrendous to even think about that and the images uh, in the mind, uh, you know, where your imagination can run wild about that and uh, they're unpleasant well, I, things to think about. But this is, uh, I, you're talking about the process. You're about to get to uh, 22 weeks plus.
1: Yeah, and 22 weeks plus, it's not easy to talk about that. No. I'll leave your listeners to work that out. Yeah. Um, I represented a woman in Victoria who outside an abortion clinic showed pictures of aborted fetuses, and she was charged and found guilty of displaying obscene material. And you have to ask yourself the question, why is that thought to be obscene? If we showed a picture of a, an appendix removed, that would not be thought to, obscene, to be obscene. It is obscene because it shows a, a tiny human being And bloodied. That is why we can't stomach that.
0: And so, what's happening in Queensland this week, uh, the idea of taking abortion out of the criminal code uh, means it turns it into a health issue and not the killing of an infant, killing of a baby. Uh, that's, that's the difference, isn't it?
1: And there are two lives here. That is absolutely clear. This is a medical process which involves two lives. The life of the woman, very important. The life of the child, just as important. And that's why legislation which simply treats this as a health issue, in my view, is philosophically wrong. And it's philosophically wrong for this reason. The philosophy behind this is that I can determine which life proceeds. Hmm. And that is a very dangerous thing for any one of us to arrogate to ourselves. Because it's a step from there to, I can decide, and this is, now, this is tough, stuff. saying, but there was an article published in the British Medical Journal where philosophers argued for post-birth abortion. Mm. because the child still isn't able to contribute. And if you take that as the basis, it is philosophically wrong. Now, there's no doubt that these are very difficult and sensitive issues. There's no doubt that no woman does this lightly. But I believe that the philosophy is fundamentally wrong.
0: And you what you're describing, and even to the point that the uh, legislators in Queensland this week will be deciding, is uh, one of those slippery slope points. You can just see it progressively uh, moving on, and you're even describing a post-birth abortion, which uh, is another uh, development on that slippery slope. Uh, there is, in fact, a uh, conscience vote that has been allowed by the Liberal National Party opposition. Uh, and the government uh, a conscience vote, Um, is there advantage or disadvantage in that, that the Liberal National Party have allowed uh, MPs a conscience vote? Any thoughts on on how uh, that sort of uh, scenario might work?
1: Um, Traditionally, these sort of things have been left to a conscience vote, but in in my view, if you analyse it in the way I have, that the issue is not a health procedure, but a choice between two lives. Uh, in my view, it should have been a party decision because we make, the parties make decisions on things like Medicare, on things like health funding, on things like how much funding is given to schools. <laughs> what more important on issue is there than deciding between two lives. So, But that's gone. The, the Liberal National Party have made the decision. Uh, we would, uh, I would urge, we would urge each politician to think very carefully about where this legislation takes the state in Queensland.
0: And it may not be too late for listeners, uh, especially those listeners in the state of Queensland, to be in touch with politicians uh, who will be voting on that this week. Let me move on. Just one other very, very important uh, issue, which we won't have a lot of time to unpack today. But uh, Fairfax Media has published what they say is a leaked full 20 recommendations of the Ruddock Freedom Review uh, your thoughts uh, quickly on uh, on that particular leak, the reliability of the leak, and then uh, the fact that the government uh, is, is uh, reserving its uh, response to those until perhaps later this year.
1: Well, I've had a, a short look at the recommendations. Um, they don't say what the Fairfax media said last week, but, um, that that... Christian schools will be given the right to dismiss um, or expel students who were same-sex attracted. In fact, they say the opposite. Um, they are at a fairly high level of, uh, of um, policy. Uh, uh, they don't get into too uh, much prescriptive um, statements. Uh, for example, that they, they encourage... Um, legislators, Commonwealth and state, to look at bring in the Syracuse principles, which uh, is, is a way of considering the uh, uh, international uh, um, freedoms under the uh, International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Uh, so they're pitched at a fairly high level, but they seek to recognize that Religious identity is just as much a human right as any other identity, be it sexual orientation, etc. And that is the fundamental point, I think, that I I think we should get across to politicians, that a religious identity is not something tacked onto a person's being, but is fundamental. It is core to an individual. And so as Australians those of us with a religious identity, that's part of us. and We are just as much entitled to, to live that out to the fullest in our community as anybody else. And we have to assert that right confidently and not apologetically because that is a human right, but it is also a basic constitutional right. Our Constitution does not discriminate between people of a religious identity and people who don't. And uh, speaking some years ago, Chief Justice French, who was then the Chief Justice of the High Court, said uh, that people from who speak from a religious point of view have to be able to contribute to community issues, to political issues on the basis of that view. It could not be otherwise, he said. And that is fundamentally correct. So we have to confidently assert that those of a religious conviction are fully entitled to live out their creed in public life. Uh, Two very important cases that have happened recently, one from uh, from the United Kingdom last week, Asher's Bakery, Mm -hmm. where they recognized that the the Supreme Court in England, in Britain, recognized that an act to not be willing, in this case, to bake a cake which said uh, support same-sex or gay marriage, was not discriminatory to a person who asked for the cake to be baked, who happened to be a same-sex attracted man, because the the, the bakers would have done that whoever asked for the cake to be baked. It was the message that they were against. Mm. And that, that is a very important distinction, that people cannot be compelled, in my view, to propound messages contrary to their view, any more than a a Muslim imam can be compelled to get up and preach uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, or mm. vice versa.
0: Yeah. Christopher. Yeah. We have run out of time but uh, deep insights from you and uh, listeners will certainly hear uh, your legal background coming to the fore in the way that you're able to articulate around these issues and uh, certainly appreciate your insights once again today. Uh, Christopher Browey is the South Australian State Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au, the website for the Australian Christian Lobby. There's lots more issues we didn't get to cover today but Christopher, thank you so much for taking some time to update us here